Good morning to my brothers and sisters in Christ in Yolanda, Kenya at Antioch Baptist Church. Welcome as we continue our look at the wonderful letter that we call the Book of Romans, the letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church at Rome which he had never visited, a church which was challenged by problems that existed between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. The Jewish Christians wanted to impose upon the Gentile Christians certain restrictions and regulations about food and things like that. And so this is the battle, as, as well as others that are addressed in this letter. This, this is the most comprehensive and detailed account of man's relationship to God found in any one book in all of the Bible. And so this is a most powerful letter, and we talked about that in our introduction, how many people have been affected by this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Rome. So let's pray, and then we will get into our verses. Heavenly Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters in Kenya. Thank you that their faith is reported to me and that they seek hard after you, that they want a closer walk with you. They want more of you and less of themselves. And Father, that is my prayer also, that we would decrease and you would increase. Help us to see, give us a divine revelation of your word, uh, even though it's written by Paul or by his secretary as dictated by Paul, we know that it was actually written through you by your Holy Spirit uh, acting upon the pen and the mind of Paul, so to speak. So Lord, Move in our hearts and give us a divine revelation of what you want us to see here in your holy word, your living and active word this morning. We thank you and praise you and bless you for hearing and answering our prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So Paul opened up identifying himself that he's a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and that he wanted to come to them, the people, the church family in Rome, and to be mutually encouraged to impart to them some spiritual gift and that they might give him a spiritual gift. He said, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. He says, I've wanted to come to you before, but I've been prevented from doing that. I wanted to come and reap a harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles, meaning those who have not received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And he says, I'm under an obligation to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. The first thing that we might want to think about is why preach the gospel to the church, to the people who are already born-again Christians? Well, the answer to that is simple. We can never hear enough of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. There's no such thing as, oh, we've gotten that, now we'll move on to deeper things. He is the deeper things. He's the deepest thing. 
to hear proclaimed over and over is uh, is a wonderful thing. To not want to do that is almost like the old story about the the woman that said, you never tell me you love me to her husband. And he said, well, I told you that when we got married. And if I change my mind, I'll let you know. That's not a very encouraging way of communicating with one we love. And God is communicating with us and us with him. And we need to hear the great good news of the gospel over and over and over. And Paul said, and by the way, in our verses today, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Amen. God bless this reading and perceiving of his holy word. Why does Paul need to start off saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? Well, I think there are at least two things that he's clearly doing here. One is he's saying that I'm not in any way disappointed by the gospel. I'm not ashamed. I believed in it because it's the truth. And it works. It is, it is the way to be reconciled to God. It is the good news that Jesus Christ, who was God himself, came to earth in the form of a man, a baby, was born into this world, lived a sinless life, took my sin and your sin and bore them upon the cross, paid the penalty for our sin in full, and said at the end, it is finished, that the sin is paid for in full, the sin debt is paid for in full. And then he was crucified, dead, buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead, and he ascended to heaven and all that have confessed him as Lord and Savior and put their trust in him, repenting of their former life, have been born again. And, and those who believe in that, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God who died for our sins, was buried and rose again, that, that we believe that and confess that, then we have eternal life. Not that we will have, but that we have it. So he's not ashamed of it. It's not disappointing because it's the truth. It is the truth. Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. But he also, I think, is saying that we should never, no matter what the difficult circumstances are, uh, be uh, ashamed or reluctant or in any way hesitant to declare the greatest good news that has ever existed, the good news that Jesus died for us, and by trusting in him and his finished work, we can be brought back into right relationship with God and live forever in Christ Jesus in the presence of God. So he's saying, I'm not ashamed of it, and why? Uh, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's God's power. It's not our power. It's not even our plan. 
We didn't come to God and say, give us a way for us to be saved. It's not that we first loved God and wanted to be brought back to him. It's that he first loved us and he called us to himself. Salvation is God's plan. It's God's devised uh, trip, travel, the road to get back to him. For it is the power of God, the power of God exhibited in the resurrection of Jesus Christ for salvation to everyone who believes. We'll get to these verses later, but in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified and with the mouth that you confess and are saved. So everyone who believes in it doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter how pitted and corroded my past or your past is. Everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ as prescribed in in the word of God will be be saved. They are saved. And why is that? He says, for in it, in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus, the righteousness of God is revealed. That God's righteousness that's apparent to us through Christ and the righteousness of God is revealed in us because we, when we're born again, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He said the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. So it it is a gift of God. God gives us the gift of salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. And we receive that gift by faith, by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. When someone offers you a gift, the only thing you have to do is to receive it. So imagine your hands cupped and held out in front of you uh, like we do sometimes in communion and the pastor uh, or the elders would place the bread in the palm of your hand. It's a gift. It's not something we work for. It's not something we earn. It's something that in faith, we simply hold out our hearts to receive it, our minds to believe in it, just as we hold out our hands to receive the bread. We are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is by re- revealed to us by faith. We can talk about it all day long. We can know about it. We can read about it in books. But until we put our faith in him, we do not receive him. We do not receive the new birth, the spiritual birth. I've often used this example, and it certainly didn't begin with me. I heard it from someone else that we can look at a chair and believe all kinds of things about that chair. We can believe that it's a solid chair. We can believe that it's a well-made chair. We can believe that it's probably intended for good. And we can believe that it will hold us, but as long as we stand and look at it, it's not holding us and it can't hold us because we're not sitting in it. To sit in the chair is to express faith that the chair is what it presents itself to be. Likewise, 
to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ is like sitting in a chair that is Christ, to sit and put our full weight upon the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the answer to all of our questions. He is the door to eternal life. So we put our faith in him for faith, for faith that that we can trust God and that it is well, it is well with our soul because we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is it a way to eternal life, he closes these verses by saying, the righteous shall live by faith. We're born again by faith, and we know from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that that faith is a gift from God. For it is by grace you have been saved to people that have been saved, who have been born again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing. It also is a gift of God so that no one may boast. So we have no part in it but to receive it. But we shall live, if we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if we've been born again, if we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then we live by faith. We live by faith. We live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the object, the center of our faith. It is in him that we trust, not ourselves, not that we don't want to do better, not that we don't do better, but it's not our doing better that produces anything. It's the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that allows us to be saved and allows us to be to do better. For in back to those same verses I read or quoted to you from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, in verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship, the workmanship of God. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That is that our lives should be characterized by these good works, but that's a reflection of who we are, that we are in Christ that we are living a righteous life. It's not our righteous life that puts us into the right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It is our faith and receiving the gift of eternal life that causes us to seek after and follow a righteous path. Not perfectly, not all the time shall any of us do that, but it is a growing thing. We grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're only saved once, but the rest of our lives is a continual growth in Christ Jesus if we're seeking after him. And if we're not, then we're continually falling away. So Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Praise God. Thank you. God bless.